Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, today we look at Paul's words to Titus about the value and importance of teaching. Uh, The goal of teaching is changed lives. Uh, The goal of teaching is not to fill you with a bunch of knowledge. It's when you take that knowledge and you apply it to your life and begin to change, uh, that's when teaching has done its work. And I want to say that's wisdom. Uh, Knowledge applied to your life is wisdom. This is what Paul says about teaching in Titus chapter 2. Teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. Teach older women to live in a way that honors God. Teach others what is good. Uh, Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth. Make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. Teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. Uh, Do you know the primary reason Jesus came to this earth? Uh, He didn't come as a ruler or a political figure, uh, although the world needed him in that capacity. Uh, He didn't come as an organizational leader, uh, although that position can have a very powerful impact. Uh, He didn't come primarily as a counselor, although uh, that's a noble calling and essential to health. Uh, He didn't come as an economic figure to uh, redistribute the wealth, although the poor sure needed that. Uh, Jesus came primarily as a teacher. His fundamental task when Jesus came to this earth was to teach about God and about life in his kingdom. Uh, Of course, the most significant event in his life was was his death and resurrection to bring about uh, redemption for the human race. Uh, But his fundamental role in his life on this earth was teacher. Uh, Jesus was called teacher by his students. He came to open their minds and to move their hearts and to change their wills. Why is this? Why would Jesus spend his one and only life, of all things, as a teacher? I think it's because Jesus knew human beings were flunking the class of life. Uh, They were filled with distorted understandings of God and his will for the human race. Uh, They kept drifting into wrong behaviors. Uh, They kept uh, getting competitive when they should have been serving each other. Uh, They got greedy when they should have been generous with their things. They got deceitful when they should have been trustworthy. Jesus recognized that human beings that he loved so much and longed to have as his students were going to fail at the class of life. Uh, They were going to fail at what was most important. And so Jesus decided that teaching was so fundamental to the spiritual growth of human beings that when he came to this earth, of all things, he came as a teacher. And when he came as a teacher, uh, he wasn't just marking time until he went to the cross. It was absolutely essential uh, to his purpose. It's actually because his teaching made so much sense to the men and women who followed him that they trusted him even in his death on the cross and in his resurrection. 
similarly, Paul looks at what's going on in Crete. Uh, he looks at the, the church on that island and this whole passage, this whole chapter of scripture is devoted to the urgency of teaching. You know, eight times in chapter two, Paul talks about the importance of teaching. He says in Titus 2.1, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Uh, sound doctrine simply means right beliefs. Uh, why does Paul mention sound doctrine? Why does he start with uh, sound doctrine? It's because people were drifting into wrong beliefs. And then he says in verse two, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. It's about living wisely because people are drifting into wrong beliefs and behaviors. And so he goes through a whole catalog of seasons of life and what wise living looks like in each one. And the reality is we need this teaching in our day, in our culture, just as much as the people in Crete in that day. If people in our culture don't believe the right things, they'll believe bizarre things. And this was happening in Crete. In Titus 1.14, he says, stop listening to Jewish myths. Apparently there were wild stories, myths spreading and people were gravitating toward them and believing them. In Titus 3.9, uh, we get another glimpse of what's going on in Crete. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about uh, obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. There were evidently uh, bizarre stories making the rounds and Paul says, if people are not regularly receiving teaching on sound doctrine, uh, they'll embrace bizarre ideas. And it's no different in our day. Uh, it's actually predictable. If people don't believe the right things, if our thinking isn't in line with sound doctrine, people will believe bizarre things. And it happens in churches. Uh, in our day, for example, the gospel gets perverted. You know, false teachers and whole churches turn the gospel of Jesus Christ into a, a means of acquiring. And we see this all the time. Uh, there's a preacher that I've seen, and he's representative of many others uh, who say the primary reason to give to God is if you give to God, you will acquire more possessions. The primary reason to give, he says, is because the more you give, the more you get. It's really just a way to get. It's this manipulative formula. Uh, this is one of his statements that he made. He said, I gave away my old watch and God gave me this new Rolex. And you try telling that to a mother in Ethiopia who just watched her child starve to death because she couldn't find enough food. I mean, you go there and you tell her about how you gave away a watch and God gave you a Rolex because it's all about acquiring. You see, sound doctrine doesn't tell us that following Jesus is an escape from suffering. It means we can expect something. Take up your cross, we're told in scripture. Our suffering, sound doctrine tells us, can be used by God. And it will one day be redeemed by God. But if people don't believe the right things, I mean, they'll believe bizarre things. We still hear today of churches that in the name of Christianity will say we must not allow white young people and Asian young people and African young people to date each other so that the races can remain pure and separate. 
I mean, this is why sound doctrine is so critical. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 2.14 tells us, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Jesus Christ died to make us one. Sound doctrine tells us that to try to re-erect the dividing wall of hostility and separation is an insult to the very cross on which Jesus died. And the idea that racial separation honors the God who gave his son to make all people one, well, that's just bizarre. Some, pre some preachers promote paranoid conspiracy theories according to which any efforts for peace in the world, they say, is secretly steps toward a satanic like, one world government. And in the name of unbiblical theories, they lead Christians to violate the biblical words of Jesus who said, blessed are the peacemakers. This is bizarre. And sometimes it's tragic. If people's minds and hearts are not being formed by regular teaching and learning from scripture, they will believe wrong things. You and I will drift into wrong kinds of thinking. And it's not just that, it's that we'll drift into wrong kinds of behaviors because you build your life on your belief. Uh, you live at the mercy of your ideas about the way things are. That's just the truth. This is why doctrine is so important. It's real crucial that we as a church understand this together. Uh, doctrine is not just something that gets taught in the church. Doctrine is just another word for the way things are. That's what doctrine is. It's teaching about the way things are. Jesus came to teach the truth about the way things are. Uh, the way things are with God, the way things are with life, with human beings, with creation, with sin. And we get fed doctrine, a picture of the way things really are all the time. Uh, the office where you work teaches a certain kind of doctrine. Uh, media teaches a certain kind of doctrine. Movies and music teach a certain kind of doctrine. Uh, Silicon Valley, they all teach a certain kind of doctrine, a picture of the way things are. They're forming your mind, your ideas about the way things are, what you really think. Uh, not just what you say you think, but what you really think. Like who's blessed and who's cursed, who's uh, secure and who's poor. And the reason why it's so important that you and I come to believe and to trust in right doctrine is not that God's going to give you uh, like a theological exam someday so that you can get an A on it. It's that Jesus came to speak the truth and the writers of scripture proclaim the truth about the way things really are. And if you trust that things really are as Jesus taught them to be, you will live the kind of life that he invites you to live. Uh, it'll just flow out of you. You trust that at the very core of reality, there is a trinity. Uh, God is experiencing life in community, uh, love and servanthood between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's the very core of reality. And that God who delights in community is watching you. And you are perfectly safe in his hand all the time. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Well, that'll have a very real consequence uh, for your anxiety or for your fear or for how you treat other people. This is so important. Sound doctrine matters more than you can possibly imagine. Not so that you can get a theological quiz right someday, but because you live at the mercy of your ideas. And that's the other thing that's so important. 
It's important that we learn sound doctrine, but the other thing that happens to people is if they don't experience biblically true teaching on a regular basis, uh, is we will drift into wrong behaviors. Uh, We will drift into uh, wrong, harmful, destructive, sinful behaviors. We just do. And we're gonna talk more about that in just a moment. So sound doctrine is right beliefs that enable you to live wisely and teach the truth about how things are. As Matt said, we need this today just as much as those to whom Paul was writing. Culture will never waste an opportunity to teach its version of beliefs and behaviors. One of our core values is biblical teaching, the authentic, spirit-led teaching of God's word as the catalyst for life transformation. It's the roadmap that leads you in your journey towards Jesus. Sound doctrine matters, and it should matter to you and me that those who haven't heard it can. Over the last few weeks, we've shared the Be the Light initiative to build a home and invest in hope for the community surrounding us. A place of belonging for the Christ-centered and the far from God. A community of people who generously provide for the needs of the least of these, as Jesus calls them. To be a light that shines like a lighthouse in the darkness. We ask that you would prayerfully make a financial commitment by November 14th. The success of Be The Light is not defined by a dollar amount, but by all of us, you and I doing exactly and only what God asks and doing it together. Together, we have committed $1.2 million to Be The Light. If you haven't yet, and Blue Oaks is your church home, either online or in person, I wanna challenge you to make a financial commitment today by going to blueoakschurch.org and clicking Be The Light right on the homepage. Let's move forward unified, trusting God, and filled with anticipation about the future of our church. All right, now we're gonna look at the other thing that happens to people if we don't experience biblical teaching on a regular basis, and that is we will drift into wrong behaviors. Uh, After verse one, Paul shows Titus how in different eras of life, people will drift into different wrong behaviors. And if you look between the lines of what Paul is saying, uh, you can see the wrong beliefs that address each one of those eras. Uh, Look at Titus 2.2. After talking about sound doctrine, Paul says this, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Paul says, teach this to the older men. Uh, Now, a quick question of application at this point. How old is the older men Paul is referring to here? Uh, My guess is it depends on how old you are. Don't you think? Uh, A young college student in love had written his girlfriend a love letter. It went something along these lines. You know, we'll still be in love when we're old and gray, uh, when we're teetering feebly at death's door, when we're in our 50s, we'll still be in love. I would say the definition of older men really depends on how old you are. Uh, But notice what it is that Paul says. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. His last word is patience or endurance. 
Uh, Paul knew the temptation for men when they grew old would be to think that they might have nothing to contribute anymore and they might grow isolated and give up. He knew about the wrong belief that society might shape in them. Uh, They might be tempted to think, you know, I don't care anymore. What matters is youth and physical attractiveness and having a long future and so my significance is gone. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think this wrong teaching about older men occurred only in Paul's day? This idea is prevalent in our society just as much as it was in the first century. In our day, by a considerable margin, the group that has the highest suicide rate of all groups in our society is older men. And Paul says, don't let older men get taken in by this idea or they're going to flunk the endurance class. Titus, don't let them flunk the endurance class. Teach them that they matter. Challenge them to be patient. And then he goes on in verse three. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. They must not slander, he says. Live in a way that honors God. Uh, Have you ever heard of gossip going on in churches? Uh, They had slander then, and it'll destroy community. Uh, There was a retirement party for a pastor, and everyone was telling stories about this pastor. Uh, One of his board members got up and said he was part of a tennis group that this pastor played with once a week. Uh, One time this pastor said to two of the guys, you know, I think we need to get closer. Uh, I think we should talk about something that we've never told anyone else before. And so one of the guys said, well, all right, Uh, I have a gambling problem. I've never told anyone about this, but sometimes I take money out of the church offering and I gamble it. And the second guy said, well, I have a drinking problem. I've never told anyone this, but sometimes I take the communion wine and I drink. And then they looked over at the pastor and he said, I have a gossip problem. I can't keep a secret. (laughs) Gossip really is the anti-community sin. It'll destroy community. Now, here's the question. Who's likely to gossip? Well, people are likely to gossip about community when they feel like they're not a part of it anymore. It's people who feel like they're on the outside. And Paul recognizes this. Here's a group in the church that are likely to feel on the outside. Uh, They're not just elderly people. They're also women, uh, possibly widowed, given death rates in that day. Uh, No one is going to marry them. Uh, They're not going to have children. And their society would teach a false doctrine. They're not too useful. And Paul says they might get tempted to gossip to try to get even, and they'll flunk the communication class. They'll flunk the loving speech class. Paul says, no, don't let that happen. Explain that they still have a role to play. In fact, he says a quite remarkable thing. He says, Titus, challenge them to teach what is good. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment and say a word about maturity in our community. I wonder if you've ever thought about how a community, a church, is impoverished if it does not honor those who bring the most wisdom and the the most experience and the most life and sometimes sometimes the the knowledge and the heart and the, the growth that comes from walking with Christ decade after decade after decade. Do you know how poor a community is if it doesn't acknowledge and honor that? And so I'm going to say something right now to you. If you're maybe in your mid-60s or older, uh, I want you to know something. And I'm very serious about this. I want you to know you are honored in this church. 
I want you to know we cannot be the whole body of Christ without the wisdom and the lifelong learning and maturity that God wants to bring through you. You know, when I talk to people in their late 20s or early 30s and ask them, you know, what do you need for your spiritual growth? Almost without fail, what they need is mentoring from someone who has experience and wisdom in walking with Christ. And you have that. And we live in society that teaches this false doctrine that says the appearance of youth and the culture of youth are all that matters. It's not true. Your gifts and your endurance that you hold matters more than you can imagine. So we just need to go on record as a church today and say you are needed and you are valued and we are the beneficiaries of your faithfulness and your endurance and your perseverance and your devotion. And you are honored in this body of Christ. If you're not considered an older man or older woman in this church, I really want you to remember this and to live out an attitude of honor and value for people who bring so much to our community that our society teaches a false doctrine about. All right, I hope you're with me on this. Now, Paul goes on in verse four. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. And I'll just say a word about this. In those days, young women pretty much had no other avenues available to them. Uh, there were no freedoms, no, uh, no you know, options, no choices, and it could get real easy to resent the people who are closest to you. And Paul recognizes that they're likely to flunk the resentment class. And in a community where Christians are told, submit to one another, they're most likely to fail the submission class. And so they, so they need to be challenged to love. And maybe you do too. How are you doing at loving those most close to you in your home? All right, on to verse six. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. Uh, young men are likely to believe, you know, my impulses are so strong. Uh, I've got to gratify them. Uh, live with Living with un ungratified appetites is no life at all. Uh, I'm just like, you know, cookie monster, see cookie, want cookie, eat cookie. And Paul says, Titus, no. Teach the young men to live wisely. Help them to realize they're more than just a bag of appetites. Uh, give them maturity beyond their years to look a little farther down the road to see where that gratification road leads. And then he says, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. And then on to verse nine, slaves must always obey their masters and do their best to please them. Now, this would have been a very large contingent. Uh, it's estimated that up to a third of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves. And Paul recognizes here that they're going to be tempted to believe the false doctrine that God doesn't really see them. They're going to be tempted to resent their masters, maybe steal when they're not looking, try to get away with whatever they can. Uh, they're going to fail the trustworthy class. And Paul says, Titus, don't let that happen. Paul talks here and in another place about the importance of helping them to see uh, what you and I need to see, which is that our work is really for God. Uh, we really are working for God. It doesn't really matter who it is that's above us on a human chain of command. Our work really is being done 
to serve God. And maybe you're bringing wrong attitudes into your work, attitudes that do not reflect well on Christ or uh, are not in line with what the Bible teaches about the fact that it is a, it's a good thing to be able to work. And it can be an offering to God. Uh, this is a very remarkable statement. Uh, look what Paul says in verse 10. Slaves must always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. It's like they're about to fail the integrity class, uh, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. And then here's the phrase. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in, any, in every way. Would you just take a moment right now and reflect on your work? Like, do you work in such a way with such diligence and integrity and love that your life at work makes the teaching of God attractive? Do you work in such a way that people look at you and they think to themselves, I'd like to know more about a God who can create and lead someone who would work with that kind of heart and that kind of joy and that kind of love. That's what Paul says to do. And he gives that command to people who are in a, a much tougher situation than we are. You see, Paul is saying to Titus, everyone in the church is in danger of drifting into misguided beliefs and destructive behaviors. Uh, they're going to fail the belief class. They're going to fail the behavior class. And they desperately need to be taught. And the reality is, so do I, because I can drift. And so do you, because you can drift too. And so what I want to do now is challenge you in this way. You must take responsibility for having your mind and your soul formed by learning from the teachings of Scripture. You must take responsibility to have your mind formed uh, to be regularly corrected by regular teaching from the Word of God. But you must take responsibility because for sure, you're going to get bombarded by a whole lot of false doctrine from a whole lot of other sources. And it's going to cause you to drift all the time. And here's the irony to me. We all make choices to do what matters most to us or what our society says should matter most to us. We all make choices to take care of our body, for example. Uh, how often are you going to feed your body? How often are you going to wash your body? Uh, how often are you going to brush its teeth or give it exercise? It's part of growing up. You make those decisions pretty much early on in your life, and you're pretty committed to them. We're surrounded by uh, magazines that are full of articles telling us how much time and money and effort to spend every day caring for our bodies, making us feel guilty if we don't. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Our bodies are important things, but they're finite. But let me ask you a question. How often do you pick up a magazine with the article titled, How to Lose Five Pounds of Ugly Sin in Two Weeks? Uh, spiritual Exercise for a Fitter, Firmer Conscience. Uh, how to Drive Your Spouse Wild When You Read the Bible Together. Like, no one will do that for you. And we do not live in a society where you will drift into that. You will have to choose. And I'll just tell you, for me, I need to have personal, private times of study and reflection on scripture. I need this discipline because my mind is getting bombarded with foolish messages, false doctrines all the time. You know, you must be strong. You must be rich. You must be successful. You must have lots of stuff. You must have security. 
And I know my response to this. If I don't place myself under the teaching of God's word on a regular basis, I will drift into foolish thinking and destructive behavior. I need it just as much as you do. I want you to understand something that we never do here. In the church where I grew up, uh, the idea often ran like this. Those of us who attended the church often felt like this. You know, we're having this service, so I guess I'd better go to support the church so that the pastor doesn't feel bad. We thought our job was kind of like pastor self-esteem maintenance. Like he was kind of like a leaky tire and we had to keep him inflated by showing up each week. The writers of scripture do not say, let us not give up meeting together so that we can keep inflating the pastor that's got a slow leak. So let's just be real clear. May this church never ever fall into the mindset that pastors do the ministry and people support them. The reality is as simple as this. Given my individual fallenness, uh, the messages that stream into my mind and my own depravity, I don't have a chance of living the way that I wanna live unless I regularly immerse my mind in whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And I need to do that privately in my own study and reflection on scripture on my own. And I need to regularly gather together with the church. I need to place myself under the teaching of God's word. My mind and my soul and my growth need that. And maybe you've been lax on this. Uh, Maybe if you're really honest today, you've been drifting into foolish thoughts, into wrong behaviors. Uh, You're not doing too well in the belief class or in the behavior class. If that's the case, I wanna challenge you today. Make your own personal covenant with God. Would you say today, God, just between you and me, I promise to place my mind under the teaching of your word on a regular basis. I will not be casual or haphazard about this anymore. Uh, Privately, I will study and reflect on your word regularly. And I will listen to a podcast or read books or whatever resources are most helpful to me. And at Blue Oaks, I will arrange my life and schedule as best I can so that it's a priority for me to be at church and to be in a group during the week to receive teaching from your word. I'll sign up for a group and I'll commit to being there to receive teaching from the Bible in community where I can find encouragement and accountability. And I will not just hear the teaching, but I will diligently seek to put it into practice. I will let it shape my thinking and my doing. And from this point on, I will be a lifelong learner in Jesus's class of life. Paul says to Titus, this has got to happen in the church. Everyone will drift otherwise. Older men, younger men, older women, younger women, slaves, whatever categories you want to pick, they'll just drift Titus and that must not happen. Now, if you need to make this commitment, this is just between you and God. So will you just take a moment right now and just pray? Would you just talk to him about the decision that you need to make? And just, so take this time now and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. 
Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.